Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Tristan Nunez, driver of the 7-0 Skyactiv Mazda prototype, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the November 8th edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsport program on the internet. This episode is 150 of the series. Where are the balloons? I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and we'd like to thank you for tuning in after a rather spooky October that featured only one episode of this amazing program. Heck, we even have Halloween decorations up in the studio, and people have already started buying Christmas trees. On tonight's program, Mike and Lally and myself will be pre- previewing the 37th annual Florida Coast Equipment Citrus Nationals at Palm Beach International Raceway with our guest, the drown manager of the track, Chris Harris. Also in the program tonight, we will, as always, discuss whatever other Mars Sports news pops into conversation. The NHRA Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series, where the future stars of the sport earn their racing stripes, returns to action for an 18th year during the 2019 race season to compete at premier racing facilities across the country. The 2019 season kicks off at Orlando Speed World Drag Race in Orlando, Florida, on February 1st through the 2nd. The schedule also includes a new location as the NHRA Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series heads to Tucson Raceway in Tucson, Arizona on March 1st through the 3rd. Also returning to Atlanta Dragway on April 12th through the 13th, during the year, the series will feature exciting double-header events at Texas Motorplex, Mission Raceway, Heartland, Motorsports Park, and Sonoma Raceway. The action-packed series will also feature two stops at Woodburn Drag Strip in Woodburn, Oregon, and the strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, where the 2019 season will finish on November 7th through the 10th. The upcoming 2019 schedule includes 44 divisional events, with a minimum of six in each of the seven divisions. Additionally, there will, be also, there will also be 26 regional events, featuring the 260-mile-per-hour Top Alcohol Dragster and Top Alcohol Funny Car classes during the 2019 campaign. Bonus programs available to competitors in HRA Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series include the $100,000 Dregs All-Stars. Individual divisions will also have additional bonus programs available to racers. Public sales for three-day tickets to the 2019 Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg began today, Thursday, November um, 8th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Tickets may be purchased for the 15th annual event online at gpstkeep.com or by calling 1-877-725-8849. The three-day festival in downtown St. Petersburg opens the IndyCar Series season for the ninth straight year, March 8th through the 10th, 2019. Weekend general admission tickets are $55 for adults, and a junior ticket for ages 12 and under is available for $30. Three-day grandstand seats starts at $105 and $70 for juniors. This and Firestone Paddock passes can also be purchased now. Single-day tickets will be released for safe sale closer to oh my gosh, released for sale closer to the event. With the purchase of a three-day grandstand seat, a limited number of Champions Club passes are available for $75 each until November 22, 2018. As announced previously for 2019, Champions Club members now get unprecedented access to attend the first official IndyCar drivers' meeting on race day. Additionally, it includes a complimentary Firestone Paddock Pass to see the IndyCars up close, plus access to the pre-race 
pre-race grid walk, which was totally ridiculous there at, at St. Pete this past year. Hopefully they improve it a lot. A souvenir credential with land discounts on official event merchandise. An opportunity to win a two-seater IndyCar ride on track and other exclusive at event experiences to be announced leading up to the 2019 event. Complete racing and activity schedule will be released early in 2019. For additional ticket pricing, seating, and event information, visit gpstpete.com. Bigger and better than ever, the 37th annual Florida Coast Equipment Citrus Nationals at Palm Beach International Raceway is less than two weeks away. November 23rd through the 25th, and great tickets are still available. Adult tickets start at $15 for Friday, $25 for Saturday, and $20 for Sunday. Children 12 and under are free all three days. VIP parking is available for an additional $25 each day. To receive a $5 discount off Alpha Delft Journal admission tickets for Friday, Saturday, or two-day tickets for Saturday and Sunday, fans must purchase tickets at an appreciating O'Reilly Auto Parts location. Headlights for the pro show include drag racing legend and icon Paul Smith of Boynton Beach, bringing two Nitro Fine Cars, two Tiger Jet Car World Champion Elaine Larson, leading the Larson Motorsports team, and fire breathing jet dragsters, putting on dazzling and sound. Motes, bringing the world's quickest and fastest jet semi truck during the the huge race week kicks off November 19th through the 21st with the Dick Morrison Memorial Three-Day Bracket Championship presented by Sunoco Race Fuel. Three separate one-eighth mile races will be held with the winners taking home $15,000 each day. National Raceway to the program. Hello? Hello, how are you doing this evening? Great. How are you? Doing pretty well. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. First off, no how did you get your start in motorsports? Um, I used to run a street racing lifestyle event uh, for three years as a nonprofit organization, um, business-wise. But I, I've been—I'm a New Yorker. I'm a native New Yorker, so um, English Town was my local racetrack. So I used to go there all the time when I was younger and watch all the races there. We know that the 37th Annual Florida Coast Equipment Citrus National in about two weeks. For anyone not familiar, can you tell us a little bit more about the event? The 37th Annual Florida Coast Equipment Citrus National is such an awesome event. It's been at PBIR, obviously, for 37 years. Um, it's a bracket racing event, and on top of that, we have a pro show that takes place on Saturday. Admission on Friday and Saturday is $25, and on Sunday, it's $20. Um, there's over $30,000 in prize money available for the Citrus Nationals, and there's also some awesome contingency prizes from S&W Performance as well as Sunoco Race Fuels. We have the jet cars with Elaine Larson. Larson Motorsports are bringing six jet cars. We have Bob Motes bringing his F4 Phantom-powered jet truck and that thing is amazing if anybody has ever seen it before it is uh definitely a sight to see listen to that we have fuel alters we have alcohol funny cars and we have some wheel standards it's just a great family fun show with some awesome racing mixed in between sounds pretty good it's a really really good time it's for for years last year we had um a huge show and we have so much 
of pre-entries right now into the Citrus National, so we're really excited to see um, the crowd that's going to be here as far as racers go, and it's an all-day thing with Saturday's Double Pro Show. If nobody's been to the drag strip before, it's a great opportunity to come see some awesome drag racing on top of some really highlighted pro shows. How many how many competitors have pre-registered so far? Right now for the, the Citrus National, we have almost 100 competitors registered for it, which is awesome. We're really excited about that. And typically the day of is when we get a lot of people coming in. So to keep a trend, it's probably going to be our biggest show ever. We have box classes, no box classes, Super Eliminator, Quick 16 Door, Quick 16 Dragster. We added Outlaw 632. We also have the 275 and the Juniors in. So there's, there's a lot of racing to see. I know for several years the NHRA brought its funny cars and top fuel dragsters to the track for their pro winter warm-up. There are rumors online for a while now. Some of them have gone a little crazy on the different <laughs> websites, but uh, that there's been talk of the spectacular event returning to the track. Is there any semblance of truth to those rumors? Um, right now they're just rumors, but we are definitely open and, and trying to get top fuel dragsters back down to Palm Beach International Raceway. It's something that's if I get asked it four times a week, it's probably a lie because so many people ask us about it. And we're in talks, not necessarily the actual winter warm-up, but we're in talks of getting top fuel drashers down here. Um, we can't wait to have them down, and I know the fans are so excited to get that back. The winter warm-up was something they were really uh, in tune with in uh an event they look forward to every year. So hopefully we can bring that back for them. But right now it is a rumor um, it is not, there's no truth to the rumor yet, but we are working on it as a staff. That's good to hear. At least there's at least there's some movement because I know it was a it was a great event and it was sort of the thing that uh, all of a sudden it was there one year and then NHRA put the, out the announcement that they were moving to to Phoenix. It was a big disappointment for the whole racing community down here, and I know fans were really upset about it. And hopefully, you're able to work something out yeah. in the future. It was really great. Absolutely. Bracket racing has always been the lifeblood of PBIR. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Dick Moroso Memorial Three-Day Bracket Championship presented by Super Race Fuels? It's also coming up in, the, in less than two weeks. Absolutely, this event is taking place the same week as uh, the Dick Moroso. Excuse me, the Citrus National. So PBIR is giving everybody seven full days of bracket racing. Um, it starts Monday and it ends on Wednesday right before Thanksgiving, and there's over $75,000 in total prize money up for grabs with a $15,000 payout to the winner each day. On top of that, Sunoco Race Fuels is adding $350 a day to the winner as well as $150 a day to the runner-up on contingency, and SW Performance is also giving $250 to the winner each day actually to the best losing package each day, you're going to get a $250 gift certificate. So there's a lot of money up for grabs for the bracket races. They are the lifeblood of Palm Beach International Raceway, and they are a lot of our local guys. And surprisingly, with a lot of our pre-entries, we've been getting a lot of people from out of town, especially in the Pennsylvania area, the Northeast, that have already pre-entered and that are coming down for this event. So once again, we're pretty excited. Um, I know it's been gone for two years, and it's yeah. something that our our, our our local faithful really been interested in. We couldn't do it five days this year, but the Dick Moroso is back this year for a three-day, and it's just working out that guys still get that full week that they've always been used to. It's just added in now with the Citrus. 
How many classes are you expecting for their bracket championship? The the Dick Morosa bracket championship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, right now we I think five classes were expected for that. So we're 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 pretty we're pretty happy for the various classes um of that event and like I said, the bracket guys they're really in tune to it, they're really excited for it and it's just all day racing. The gates open at seven o'clock, the the runs start at eight thirty and we just go all night and we have something for everybody. So we're excited. We understand that you're also the head of the International Roller Racing Association. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So the IIRA was created under the umbrella of the IHRA. And as you know, there's different forms of racing. And roll racing is something that started on America highways where guys would pull up next to each other, keep their cars steady, three honks, and they would take off down the highway. So we decided to take that and bring it to a track and create an official sanctioning body for it. So the International Roll Racing Association is the first sanctioning body for the sport of roll racing. Um, This year we're wrapping up our championship December 8th, and then next year we have eight events for our season two. It's it's been really cool. Um, You see all sorts of cars from domestics to imports, to exotics, to trucks, and everybody's just enjoying the sport of roll racing, but now for the first time on a professional level. Well, I'd like to thank you, and I want to turn you over to my co-host, Michael Mullally. There's a couple questions for you as well. Awesome. So my first question for you, how many participants do you get in, um, like, roll racing? Like, how... How many people have you had participate? So this year, in our initial year, we have a, is a licensing process. So we have over 100 members that signed up for a license, and they participate in various classes. Our two licensing types are based on speed. So if anybody races faster than 140 miles per hour in a roll, they go to a Class 1 license. Anybody slower goes to a Class 2 license, and then we break up the different classes um, based on engine type, whether it's naturally aspirated or boosted, and also drivetrain, whether you're all-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive. So as the seasons progress, we've gotten more and more interest and more and more licensing into it. So really excited about that. We're continuing to grow. And what are some of the hardest parts about being a general manager? Understanding that you have to provide racing for everybody. There's individuals who enjoy bracket racing and enjoy domestic racing events, import events, and making sure that your programming keeps everybody involved, keeps everybody entertained, and gives everybody something to enjoy at the track. So while it could be easy to throw in a bunch of bracket races or a bunch of street lifestyle events, you have to make sure that you keep the balance and try to keep everybody happy. It's not easy. But we're, we're, we try our best at trying to get that done. And what is your favorite event that is held there? I'm a big fan of the Citrus Nationals. Once a year, you get families out. I'm a big family guy. So I enjoy the fact that I get to see little kids, little babies, all the way up to, you know, grandparents who remember going to the very first Citrus Nationals. And there's something for everybody. You have your jet cars. You have your bracket racing. It's just something for everybody to do. We have 
live music being played. So the Citrus is, is really one of my favorites. It kind of takes all of the events that you have throughout the year and, and kind of just encompasses everything into one. And what would you consider to be the most rewarding part about your job? Being able to help people and meet people and provide an outlet for racers. I mean, growing up around racing and and understanding racing and making sure that guys are not on the street and they have an outlet to do it in a safe place is very important to me. And also being a people person, I get to meet people from all walks of life, all walks of backgrounds that we're able to come together through this sport of racing. So just being out there and talking to guys and talking to women and talking to children is, is the best part of it for me. And my final question for you this evening, what advice would you give to someone looking to get involved in motorsports? Work a lot. <laughs> it's very expensive to, to be a driver and, and, and have a car and keep a car um, active on the track. It's, it's not a cheap sport to be in, but if you want to get into it, learn all you can about it, participate in all sorts of events, because don't be scared of getting out there and getting into a bracket race or going into a roll race. You might like it, and I've noticed that a lot of times where people might be intimidated by a new form of racing until they try it, and it's the best time they ever had. So keep an open mind and make sure you work a lot because it is very expensive. (laughs) Well, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program this evening and hope to maybe talk to you in the future about some other updates and things going on at the at Palm Beach International Raceway. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, and I look forward to seeing everybody at the 37th Annual Photo Coast Equipment Citrus Nationals, as well as the Dick Moroso Memorial Three-Day Bracket Championship presented by Sunoco Race Fuels. Thank you, and have a great evening. You too. For more information on the events, visit racepbir.com or call 561-622-1400. The Trans Am Race Company has announced a 12-event 2019 Trans Am Series presented by Pirelli Schedule with many of the same venues and dates returning from the 2018 championship season. The upcoming competition will feature two key additions, Trans Am's return to Memorial Day weekend at Lime Rock Park and its first appearance at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca since 2004. Trans Am's return to Memorial Day weekend at Lime Rock Park, May 24th through the 27th, marks the series' 30th appearance in Lakeville, Connecticut, and comes in the wake of a three-year absence reuniting the historic pairing of track and series. The return of the Trans Am Championship to Laguna Seca, May 3rd through 5th, marks the full series of first appearance in the West since the 2011 event at Miller Motorsports Park. Trans Am's last appearance at Monterey Circuit came in 2004. The 2019 schedule features new weekends for Indianapolis Motor Speedway, now August 1st through the 4th, and Circuit of the Americas move forward to October 4th through the 6th. Longtime Trans Am partners, Ryan Companies and First Energy will return in 2019 as well with the Ryan Companies Road America Classic and First Energy Mid-Ohio 100. <clears throat> Trans Am will also continue three initiatives from 2018. Northern and Southern Cups for drivers not mounting a full-season effort, a standard three-day race format with the inclusion of Test Day, and the Trans Am West Coast Championship presented by Pirelli. 
The Trans Am West Coast Championship, presented by Pirelli, will feature the additions of Thunder Hill Raceway Park and WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca to its 2019 docket, expanding the regional championship to six races in total. The 2018 Trans Am Championship, presented by Pirelli, will conclude this weekend on Saturday, November 10th, at Daytona International Speedway. At the Motul Petit Le Mans last month at Road to Atlanta, there were a total of nine race cars riding on Michelin tires, and all of them were racing in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship GT Le Mans class. When the 2019 season begins in January, Michelin will be providing tires for, more than, tires for more than 100 race cars across three IMSA-sanctioned series and seven different classes of race cars as the new official tire of IMSA. All four weather, WeatherTech Championship classes Daytona Prototype International, DPI, LMP2, GTLM, and GT Daytona, GTD. So use Michelin's as well, both the Grand Sport, GS, and TCR classes in the newly renamed Michelin Pilot Challenge. Both of those series will kick off their 2019 seasons at Daytona International Speedway on the last weekend in January as part of the prestigious Rolex 24 at Daytona Weekend. And that's three weekends after the IMSA Prototype Challenge Series with an entire field of LMP3 race cars opens its 2019 season with a three-hour race on the roar before the Rolex 24 at Daytona Weekend. That also will feature WeatherTech Championship and Michelin Pilot Challenge testing. It's a tall task, to be sure, but one that Michelin has been gearing up to, up to take on since last year. GTLM teams have routinely used what Michelin refers to as confidential tires, which are developed specifically for, the, for each of those cars' uses and those cars will remain on Confidentials next season. The DPI and LMP2 prototypes will use what Payne referred to as semi-confidential tires, while the GTD class, both Michelin Pilot Challenge classes and the LMP3 cars, will use what Michelin considers as commercial tires. No, not commercial in the sense of them being the same Michelin tires you purchase from your local dealer and use on your daily driver, but if you had a race car and were competing in events at places around the world where Michelin had authorized race tire distributors, you'd be able to purchase and use these tires or something similar. The availability of commercial tires for almost all of the cars competing enabled Michelin to go ahead in preparation for the 2019 season. What also has been valuable is a series of track opportunities, which were test sessions at selected IMSA racetracks during the course of the 2018 season for competitors to sample Michelin tires. There are already have been five opportunities this year with a sixth planned for next month. In many cases, the opportunities validated what Michelin predicted would be suitable tires for each car and class. On a couple of occasions, however, it revealed the need to make some revisions. Payne is looking forward to this weekend's four-hour IMSA Michelin Sports Car Encore at Sebring National Raceway and the opportunity to provide to gather even more data prior to the start of the 2019 season. Beyond the on-track development, Payne and his colleagues have been working to expand their team to meet the increased demands of supplying so many cars. Payne estimates there will be 45 motorsport tire specialists in place for the 2019 season. It's all part of a colossal undertaking for Michelin. So how do you feel about the fact that uh, that Kevin Harvick had basically a uh, a victory taken away this past weekend after his it was found that he was using an illegal spoiler on his car? So this is going to sound weird, but I totally had a dream 
about that, and I didn't know that that was a real, like, I didn't know that really happened. But I had a dream that someone got, like, fined or something from NASCAR, and it really happened. And I did not, I mean, I didn't know that. Like, usually I'll go through and read the emails because I get the emails from, you know, the, like, updates and stuff. And I haven't been doing that as much lately, but I should be a psychic because I knew that was going to happen. That's what happened. NASCAR called you when they knew that you had a precognitive dream and they issued the fine. That's how it goes. <laughs> but what do you think? Like, what do you, I mean, did he have an illegal spoiler? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. And I know that it's it's not the first time that Kevin Harvick has tried to, and his team, really, not only with this, this organization, not with Stuart, Stuart uh, Haas, but with the... Uh, the Richard Childress organization. It's not the first time that Harvick's tried to put the rules a little bit too far. And I think it's a good thing. Excuse me. I think it's a good thing to actually caught up with him this time. It might not be the best timing for him, but I also think it builds a little bit more drama going into the end of the season. And the fact that Kevin Harvick can be, in my opinion anyway, and probably in the opinion of a lot of fans, if you look at the attendance at recent races, Kevin Harvick can be probably one of the boriest drivers in, in the sport. So he needs all the help he can get to make it more interesting to have him in the as one of the contenders. And I think that, that uh, it's just a little interesting how that goes sometimes. So, like, what's going to happen now with it being, you know, crunch time to the final, I can't remember what they're at right now, the final, is it the final four they're going into? So what's going to happen, like, does he not have a chance anymore because, I mean, he got caught cheating I think he's in. I think in the in the points wise, I think he's sixth out of the eight out of the eight that have a chance of moving on. So he basically has to win the race or have a really, really, really good race, and everybody has a really bad one. Which again basically means he has to win this race too, and not not have any issues whatsoever in post inspection. So I don't know off the top of my head how good he does in in the at the ISM Raceway in Phoenix, um, but it'll be a tall order anyway. And I'm pretty sure that Kurt Busch is looking really, really closely at him, saying, you know, this is my last season at Stuart House Racing, and I'm going to finish it off with another championship. That's my, that's my plan. And that's what I think he's, he's thinking anyway. Well, good. And, you know, I think they need stiffer, they need stiffer penalties for cheaters. Like, look at how many times, um, like, Johnson's crew has been – I mean, they've been caught cheating, like, a lot. So they mm-hmm. they need stiffer penalties because that's why they keep doing it. Because, I mean, a $25,000 fine and a couple points taken away isn't nothing to these people. They need stiffer nope. penalties. Yeah, and I think that the, the fact that he's losing all the points and everything, and he, I don't think he lost him the money, which is kind of an iffy thing. But uh, I think that's a that's a pretty big cut. Plus the fact that his crew chief won't be able to come back until they Daytona 500 next year. Um, so he's going to be missing some off-season stuff, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that if that affects him during the year. I don't think it will. Be interested to see that. Also, with the fact that there's a uh, a lot of changes happening in the off-season, um, that'll make next year quite interesting. But I don't think the uh, my opinion is anyway that even though the, supposedly they sold out the ISM Raceway at Phoenix this weekend, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they reduced the the seating capacity at the track by more than half when they changed the name. 
So I think that the uh, they basically built it in so that so that they settled out, and uh, that's it. Looks good for TV, but doesn't look good if you're a race fan, especially if there's people who are trying to get there at the last minute. If they've been able to do the past few years, um, so that's not a good thing for the this upcoming weekend. But considering the fact that last week they you could tell they didn't reduce the seating enough at the <laughs> at the track this week, and it looked in Texas it looked like there was nobody there. Now I'm pretty sure there were there were tens of thousands of people there, but the track holds nearly a hundred thousand, and it definitely didn't have that many. So. NASCAR has some issues. They're going to have to work through those issues. They're going to have to figure out how to, to improve the attendance at the track. And actually, I think, how to improve the the, uh, the ratings as well. Because NASCAR is starting to have some issues with the ratings, too. And I know that in, that uh, NBC sees that. And that's why NBC is, push, is putting the races all over the place, all over the dial there to, to basically hide them at times. Because they know they have the contract for it and they have to put them on have to put them on certain channels. So it's kind of a be quite different for NASCAR in the coming years. What do you think the reason is that, I mean, and I know we've talked about this a lot, but what do you think part of the reason or some of the reason is that their ratings are so far down and their attendance just isn't up there like it should be? What's your opinion? I think a lot of it is the fact that, that people have uh, – well, let's put it mildly, people of your generation, a little bit younger, aren't interested in cars as much as they used to be. I mean, I have I have nieces and nephews who didn't even get driver's licenses until in their early 20s. Um, when I was 15, I was ready to get on get my own car. <laughs> so that's a, a it's a, a car culture thing. Uh, a lot of it's the fact that there's there's so many uh, people interested in the internet and stuff, which is great. I'm interested in it too, but I'm not gonna spend all my time on my on my cell phone and forget the fact that I can go out and drive to my friends' houses and that sort of thing. And if you're not interested in a car, no matter what sort of car it is, whether it's a car that you've got four cylinders and you get great mileage and you piddle back and forth around town, you're definitely not going to be interested in a car that's got a, a V12 or, a, or some of the V16s, those insane engines that get really, really bad mileage but sound and look really good going around a racetrack. Now that's a uh, that's one of the the things that I think that NASCAR has to work on that all motorsports has to work on is try and figure out how to get these people interested not only just in motorsports but in automobiles in general. If they can figure that out, then they have a great future. If they can't, then I think it might be the last generation of motorsports at least as we know it. Yeah, and that's. It's sad when you think of it like that. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting, at least in the beginning, when they've got the, because uh, there's been the rumors about the autonomous racing series for a couple of years. There's been a few cars they put out there, and it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, but it's an interesting idea, and I think the that'll also be the next big thing when if cars go more autonomous in the future. You're basically riding around in your car, seeing what you can do would be a sort of an engineering exercise, I suppose. But sometimes those are really interesting to watch. So did you see that Kurt Busch is probably going to be going to Chip Ganassi racing next season? He'll be driving the number one car, replacing Jamie McMurray. That's what the current rumor is for that. 
No, I haven't really seen anything, but I know that this was supposed to be his last year with um, Hoff, so it doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me. I didn't think he'd be leaving the sport quite yet, but no. it would make sense and if I he would go they... there. So is Jamie McMurray retiring, or is he going somewhere else? I think he's just going. <laughs> I don't think there's anywhere. There hasn't been any announcements as to where he's going to go. He hasn't had a very good good few years. He had he won the 500. He's won a few other races. But he hasn't generally been successful, and he's not a household name as much as I think that the, the Chip Ganassi wanted him to be when he first brought him into the series, brought him into his team anyway. Um, also, another big thing is the fact that, that Martin Truex Jr., Cole Pern, and pretty much the entire pit crew from Furniture Row Racing will be moving over to Joe Gibbs Racing next season. They'll be racing in the car that's currently occupied by Daniel Suarez. I believe there's also some sponsorship money changing hands where Furniture Row might go to Joe Gibbs Racing as a sponsor because Axis is basically a sponsor that, that Suarez brought with him from Mexico, and I don't think they'll stay with him. So, And it might be the end of the career for Daniel Suarez in the United States as a race car driver as well. If that is the end of a career, that really wasn't a very long career. Nope, but I think the the way his his visa is written, uh, Joe Gibbs is one of the sponsors for him to be in this country, and when he's traded from Joe Gibbs, he loses he loses the availability to stay in the United States unless he his next team picks him up and refiles all the paperwork and all that. So maybe he'll be back in Mexico fiddling around on dirt tracks, or maybe he'll go into the NASCAR Mexico series, or maybe he'll just disappear from motorsports entirely. You never know. Wow, I didn't know that that was one of the reasons that he could stay in this country. Like, I didn't know Mm -hmm. that they played a big part in him being here. Yep. It's always an an interesting thing. And he, uh, it's just the way the, the current immigration system goes. It's kind of it's difficult at times for people to get get long term visas from from Mexico now. It's more difficult than it used to be um, from other countries as well. So it's just a a bad deal all around. It's also the same sort of deal that that what's his name the uh, the Russian driver who was in IndyCar that he had where he was he was sponsored to be in this country. He had a and when his deal with the uh, with Smith Pearson Motorsports ran out. He basically went back to Russia, and now he's racing in Europe more. And he might be back here for a couple of races next season, but they won't be in Indy cars. Hmm. Racing is an international sport, but sometimes the the current laws don't necessarily make that easy for some of the competitors. And the fact that the the racing economy is isn't as doing as well as certain other parts of the economy, that makes it more difficult to. So how much do you think, I mean, I just kind of wonder, like, so when, like, Daniel Suarez, for instance, when he comes from Mexico to race over here for, like, a, you know, Joe Gibbs or whatever, like, I just, I kind of, like, how am I trying to, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, do they have to help them, like, get started over here, you know, as far as, like, housing and stuff? 
Like, how does that work? Or do they just... Well, I think a lot of that's, a lot of that's contract-based. You know, and I don't think that they, they're signing bonuses and that sort of thing. It doesn't hurt to to get that sort of thing in the advance. Because um, I know he has a he has a really big house there in Charlotte with most of the other NASCAR drivers. Um, the fact that he won the Xfinity Series a couple of years ago, that helped him out a lot too. Um, so you never know. I think there there could be another team that picks him up. But with the fact that there's so many other people standing in line waiting to be the next big thing in NASCAR, it's a rather short shelf life for these people. And the guy who has a big name one year, next year he just sort of disappears. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you're right. The people that are up and coming have to have a place to come to. Mm-hmm. And it's really a, a cutthroat thing, especially in in stock cars now. Because if you watch, if you watch like the stuff on Mav TV, where they've got the the Summit Sports Car Challenge and all those other little little uh, stock car series races, a lot of those guys have big names. And you'll see them show up at a at a NASCAR race one time, or they'll show up at a truck race, or they'll show up here, there, anywhere. We've even talked to someone. We talked to like people like Cody Rohrbach, who has who has had a an up and down career, but he's always done really well. Um, when he has the opportunity, when he has a great machine underneath him. And sometimes you see those people for a few years and they're gone. And then all of a sudden you'll see them show up at a local racetrack and then they'll end up being a spotter somewhere or they'll end up being the next big, they'll end up getting a really big break. Other times the guys are, you think are going to do really well are just flash in the pan, gone, and they could end up being the the next big real estate agent somewhere, but you'll never see them in the in a car ever again. Sort of like the deal with with uh, Carl Edwards, who, when he got married, he left the sport entirely. And he's just come back. He was at Texas this past weekend doing the interview because he, he was put into the Motorsports Hall of Fame there in Texas. And he seems like he was interested in going back racing, but he knows that with his current, uh, his current wife anyway, he'll never, never be back in a race car because it's really dangerous to be in a race car. And his his wife reminds him of that pretty much on a daily basis. And he does other dangerous things. He swims long distances and he does other things, but he's not going to bump his head and not be able to remember who he is the next day if he swims across the Atlantic Ocean. There's other dangers, but that's not the one that he's worried about. So there's all sorts of issues involved in racing now. Safety gets better, 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 better all the time. But there's always that little little thing hanging over the top of people's head which we've noticed with some of the people we've had in this show this year, people like Justin Fontaine, whose career is over now. People like Wendell Chaffois, who I've reached out to, but whose career is now over in racing, who think that the, some of the, the things going on in the sport aren't necessarily the best thing, not only for their health, but for their futures. And that's also a thing that NASCAR and other motorsports are going to have to look into, is how they're going to retain people, good people, people who are, who have the best interests of themselves at heart, who are great family people, who would, who would be able to bring in a lot of fans in the sport who just disappear. And that's the a big thing they're going to have to worry about in the future, too. So what's the next big step in your racing career? Um, 
Well, all the racing around here is pretty much done for the season. And my brother and I want to put a car together for next season. But it's just hard because you, I mean, to be competitive around here, you just, you have to have, I mean, lots and lots and lots of money into your cars. And, like, at some of the tracks, it's like, I don't know, it's like a money game with them. And I don't know. Honestly, I love driving, and I, you know, I love getting in the car and smashing someone if I have to, but I'm also enjoying, like, going to these races and observing and, you know, trying to get stuff for, like, you know, stuff that, like, we can use for the show. Like, I'm also content being a face in the crowd, but I just don't know. I'd like to race again. But, and my mom's making it super hard because she's like, you know, it's one of those danger things. She's like, you know, it's dangerous, which we just talked about that. And it is dangerous, but so walking down the street, that's dangerous too. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd like to race again, but I also don't mind watching, you know, just as long as I'm around it in some way or another. start the professional power walking around the streets. <laughs> there you go. No. You know how winded I would get? I get winded just from walking from, like, the kitchen to my bedroom. Like, <laughs> no. That would kill me more than a race car would. <laughs> there you go. Well, be sure to check out past episodes of There's Night Thunder as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at SpeedwayDigestRadioNetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest There's Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read all the articles covering all aspects of motorsports at SpeedwayDigest.com. The other day I posted 14 new articles covering a bunch of different motorsports things, mostly SECA related, but a little bit of other stuff as well. So be sure to check that out in the racing section of SpeedwayDigest.com. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to be in the air the next week. I'll let you know in the future, but I'm pretty sure we're not going to be here next week. As we'll be covering the NASCAR Media Day event in advance of the Ford Championship weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. We have to provide a full roundup of the event on November 29th. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida, and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which we found by visiting palmbeach.happeningmag.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again November 29th in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you again at the end of the month.